to finishing going around. Um, just for those, just a tiny announcements is we're at school holidays at the moment, which means our growth groups are on break. So first week of school holidays this week. So two weeks of break from growth groups. I know, just relax, guys. They will be back. Your life won't end. We know you miss them terribly, but you'll get to see your friends again shortly. Or you could come on a Sunday and see them here. Hey, I've got the real privilege this morning of inviting my amazing wife, our senior pastor, Melissa Hill, to come up and share the second part of How Do I Cope? Not. Awesome. Oh, nearly dropped the iPad. There we go. What would we do about that? How is everybody this morning? Are we good? It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Yes, welcome to our online viewers as well. Um, how awesome was that worship, hey? So I didn't want it to stop. I thought I could do this for the next hour, literally. Do we really need to get up and preach God's word? But yes, we do. Because God's word is awesome, hey? It penetrates our hearts, doesn't it? It changes us. It does something to us. We can walk out with fresh revelation uh, when God just moves in our lives. And his word does not return void. His, his word will accomplish the purpose that it was sent out for. So it is important that we bring God's word. Amen? Amen. How do I cope? I don't know. I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> How do I cope? Last week, Pastor Jacob preached an absolutely awesome uh, message on how do I cope. It was powerful, yet it was very practical. Um, and he talked about just as basic as getting back to basics, mind, body and soul. Because really we are mind, body and soul, aren't we? And he spoke about even something as simple as what are we eating? What are we eating? Uh, are we exercising? Are we coming to church and gathering with the saints, as the Bible says? You know, because we need one another. We need one another. We need one another. We need to gather with one another. And so we covered, covered all these topics. So if you missed the message, I really encourage you to jump online, on our website, on our socials. And while you're there, subscribe to our YouTube account, if you would. Everyday Church Perth, if you can subscribe to our YouTube account. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, but this morning what I want to do is, and Jacob touched on it last week, is I want to double down on our thought life because everything starts in our heads. Everything starts between our ears. It starts with our thoughts. And so I really want to double down on that this morning. And the Bible has lots to say about our thought patterns. So um, I've been reading a book recently by somebody called Dr. Karen Gordon and basically, she's got a uh, bachelor in psychology, she's got a bachelor in counselling, and she's got a doctorate in marriage and family. And uh, she's written this book uh, called The Three Chairs, and I've been reading it, and it's probably one of the best leadership books that I've read in a long time. And basically, her what she's speaking about is she's talking about increasing your EQ, so your emotional quotient, 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 quotient increasing that EQ you've got your IQ your intelligence and then you've got your EQ the emotional side of things and studies have shown that as you increase your EQ it increases success in your life it increases health in your life it increases your leadership ability it increases relationships satisfaction humor and happiness I mean who would have want those things and they say that it's the secret source, increasing your EQ is the secret source to great leadership. 
the secret sauce. I mean, I would, I would say it's the secret sauce just to enjoying one's life because who wouldn't want those things? And, and, and they say it's the secret sauce to great leadership and we're all leaders in some aspect, really, if you think about it, whether it's at home leading your children, if it's in the workplace, if it's at church, your husband or your wife, you know, that mutual submission, uh, the husband leading the wife, the wife leading the husband, I don't know, however it works in your household. But we're all leaders in some aspect. And, um, and uh, in the last few weeks, we've been speaking a little bit about the impact that the pandemic has had on people. So as we're slowly emerging out of uh, the pandemic, the COVID-19, we're beginning to see the impact around us and the impact that it's had on people. Um, you know, we weren't designed to operate out of the intensity that we've been operating out of the last two years. We were not designed for that. Um, you know, the unpredictability of life, the, the stress of the workplace and all that we've endured there, the limitations, the restrictions, the can-dos, the can't-dos. You can go here, but you can't go there. Family, not being able to be with family. I was speaking to someone yesterday at, um, on Friday, which wasn't yesterday, on Friday at a community lunch, and, and she hasn't seen her family for two, three years, you know. Um, and so the, the impact that it's had on people, you know, not being able to just enjoy the things that we enjoy. And it's affected us. It's affected people. It's had an impact on humanity globally. And we cannot underestimate the trauma that has been caused. And um, yes, we have life pressures, etc. Everybody's got life's pressures. They haven't, they, we're still dealing with them day to day. But we have this underlying as well, and it calls for our attention. We need to be aware of what's happening. It's so key and so integral. I was listening to a podcast interview just this week with uh, Kerry Newhoff and a guy called John Elderich, and he wrote the book Wild at Heart, if you know it. And he explains it like this, that we've been tapping into our reserves for two or three years now. You have reserves, reserve of energy, all sorts of reserves within yourself, but we've been tapping into it because we've been living out of this intensity and we've been tapping into our reserves and now we're emerging out of it and we're feeling depleted. We're feeling tired. We're feeling like we've got nothing left in our tanks because we've been tapping into these reserves for two or three years now. And for some of us, we, we're like, what now, God? We're kind of, we're kind of, <laughs> you know, like a, I don't know, a duck or whatever. You know, you, you kind of stick your head up and you're like, okay, I'm still here. But where are we going now? What are we doing now? What's happening now? And, you know, we've been doing a study on anxiety in our growth groups. And I want to sa say thank you to those that have been attending that. You know, those that are prioritising our growth groups because this is the sort of stuff that's going to help us get through as we learn about these things. Um, and we spoke about it at our all-in team night on Tuesday night as well. And again, thank you for those that came, our volunteers that prioritised that night. And we spoke about the impact that it's had on our church and, and us, us as volunteers and on our teams um, because, you know, Coming along to these things is how we're going to learn and grow and get through it together. It's so key. Um, but some of us, we were speaking about how some of us have defaulted to our old coping mechanisms. Um, and in essence, um, we have turned to little gods, little G. 
little G gods. You know those little G gods? We've begun to worship those little G gods, little gods like the God of, I can't get out of bed, (laughs) the God of lack of discipline, the God of food even, the God of self-medication, the God of uh, greed maybe, the God of fear, the God of, someone said it this morning, the God of Netflix. (laughs) Okay, the God of Stan. The God of Disney. The God of YouTube. These little G gods that we're beginning to worship because we're depleted and we're tired and we're turning to old coping mechanisms, whatever it may be for you, these little G gods, the God of independence, the God of self-will, the God of I don't want to do it anymore, these little G gods. And somewhere in our thought life, for some of us, we have decided that God, big G God, the Lord God Almighty, is not capable of taking care of us anymore, that he's not enough. We've made that decision somewhere in our thought life and we've slowly backslid into these negative coping mechanisms. Slowly but surely. Do you know what? Exactly where the devil wants to get us. And the Israelites did the very same thing in the Bible. If you remember when Moses went up to the mountain and they're like, he's taking too long. Where is he? He's taking way too long to bring down the instructions from God and so let's build a golden calf statue and let's begin to worship that. They did exactly the same thing. They began to take matters into their own hands and for some of us we're like, where is God? Where is he? And we're beginning to take matters into our own hands. And in this book, uh, The Three Chairs, Dr. Gordon explains the importance of our thinking um, because what happens with our thoughts, our thinking, our, our thinking it develops what, what we're feeling. So we have, our, we have our thinking and that affects our feelings. And then what happens is our feelings then determine our actions and our behaviours and our attitudes. So our thoughts create our feelings And then our feelings determine our actions, our behaviour and our attitudes. And our thought life, if you let it, will begin to take matters into its own hands. It'll take matters into its own hands and we'll begin to think thoughts that are so far from God's truth, even from the pit of hell itself. We'll begin to think these thoughts that then determine our feelings And then those feelings then determine our actions and our behaviour and our attitudes. And for some of us, and I'm including myself in this, for some of us, we have stopped being intentional about the thoughts that we've been thinking. We have gotten lazy in our thought life. And because of that, we're starting to backslide into worshipping these little G gods. We've let our guard down. And yes, we need to recognise what's happened over the past two or three years. And yes, we're feeling depleted. Yes, we are feeling tired. But at some stage, we've got to like recognise what's happening because we need to move forward. Amen? Because we need to recognise it and move forward. And for some of us, maybe you have never understood the importance of how integral 
it is to think about what you're thinking about. That's what Joyce Meyer says. You need to think about what you're thinking about because not every thought that comes into your head is true. Not every thought is factual. Not every thought is good. It's so key. And so we think thoughts like this, I'm not enough. I'm a failure. I'm not a good mother. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good wife. Or we think thoughts like, God will not meet my needs. God is not trustworthy. God has not been faithful. Even where is God? Or worse yet, there is no God. God, if you're real, where are you, God? And we begin to believe these thoughts, whether they're wrong or right, and they then produce feelings, and then the feelings produce our attitudes, actions, and behaviour. And so I want to take us to this scripture to give us one overriding thought to begin with. And it says this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. How awesome is that? It's so very clear in Scripture that we have very different thoughts to God. In fact, God's thoughts are better than our thoughts. God's thoughts are superior to our thoughts. God's thoughts override our thoughts. God's thoughts are good, perfect, pure. Just because we think a thought doesn't mean it's true, doesn't mean it's factual, doesn't mean it's correct. It doesn't mean it is a good thought. In fact, the Bible goes even further to say and gives several examples that the devil can actually place thoughts in your mind. And so he did it to Eve in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? He said, he challenged her, he said, but did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? And she began to think that God was holding out on her. She began to think that God was not enough. She began to think that, that God was not the complete answer. You know, God, you, the devil doesn't have to com- turn you completely away from God, but if, if he can get a part of you, if he can get you not trusting in a certain area, he's got a part. And there's something toxic there that needs to be dealt with. And he did it with Eve. And because of this thought, she gave in to the little G God. She gave in to the God of self-will. And and she thought she could take matters into her own hands. That's what she thought. And, And God's question when he came to her, God's question to her was, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you could take matters into your own hands? Who told you that you could eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Who told you? That was his question. Who told you? Where did it come from? How did this happen? Who told you? Because it starts in our thought life. It starts in our thought. Who told you to disobey God? Who told you? You know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when we are broken and depleted and tired, this is where he can come in. Uh, And he'll whisper lies and he'll say, God is not enough. God is not enough. God is not enough. He did it to Peter when Peter looked at Jesus. Jesus told Peter what was going to happen. He said, I'm going to die on a cross and in three days 
I'm going to rise again. And and Peter said, no way, no way, Jesus, no way will you die a horrific death on the cross. And Jesus turned around and he rebuked Satan. He didn't rebuke Peter, he rebuked Satan. And he said, get behind me, Satan, because he knew what was happening. He knew that, that the devil had got in there, that Peter wasn't thinking with a God-minded thoughts. So the devil had gotten in there and so Jesus rebuked Satan, get behind me, Satan. And there's times where we have thoughts that come into our minds where we need to say, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, because it's not of God. And we even think that they're our own thoughts and they're not. They're not even ours. The devil's trying to get in there and plant seeds and turn us away from God when he is the answer. He is the answer. And so Jesus challenged Peter. He challenged him. We have to go back to our thought life. Just because you think a thought doesn't mean it's true. Who told you that you're not good enough? Who told you you can't do it? Who told you that God's not capable? Who told you that that he's not the answer, the complete answer? Who told you you could get it from somewhere else? Who told you? You know, the devil did it to a guy called Ananias. He planted the thought to hold back money from God's kingdom. And, and, and Ananias was sure that nobody would know because he thought he'd just do it on the side, hidden. And he thought, nobody would know. I will just keep this little bit. I'll give the rest, but I'll keep this. But Peter knew. Peter knew and Peter questioned him. And Peter said to him, why did you let the devil fill your heart? Why did you let the devil fill your heart? Why did you let the devil get in there? How did he get in there? Why did you let him fill your heart? Why did you believe the lie? We have to remember that the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's all he does. The Bible says that he just accuses day and night. Day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. Who told you? And so our thoughts are so integral and I want to bring us back to that because I know I've gotten lazy in my thought life and it's been producing feelings within me that I'm like where is this coming from and so but I can't look at the feeling I have to go to the thought what am I thinking what is happening inside of my head what am I believing yes I'm tired but what is happening in my thought life and I need to start to readjust in that area because it all starts in our heads It all starts up here. And so if you're feeling certain things, you have to go back to, well, what am I thinking? What thoughts am I believing? What am I meditating on? The God of Netflix? Well, Jacob talked about the news. What did he say last week? Just turn it off. Get the big picture and turn it off. Because then we begin to think these thoughts and they produce certain feelings. So you can't, you can control your thoughts, but you can't control your feelings. You can control your thoughts, but you can't control your feelings. And so in this book, what Dr. Gordon, Catherine Gordon talks about is uh, she says your feelings are your friends. They're trying to tell you something. They're trying to tell you something. So you need to stop, recognise it and go back again to the thought. So, for example, if you're experiencing anxiety, uh, it's trying to tell you something. And do you know, and I found this um, interesting, that anxiety is very connected to perfectionism, to control and to self-esteem. In fact, she said it's like four best friends hanging out. 
anxiety, perfectionism, control, and self-esteem. And so if you're experiencing anxiety, go back to the thought. Well, what thought am I thinking? Who told me that thought? Is it true? Does it line up with God's word? How does it line up with God's word? Because we know the Bible says that we're to, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so it's capturing that thought and lining it up with God's word. But then we come to where we need to know what God's word says, right? And this is where being in God's word is so important, so key, just meditating in the word of God. And Pastor Jacob touched on it last week, just having our quiet times, being in church, being in worship, being in the presence of God is so important, so integral. It's being aware of our internal dialogue. It's being aware of it. It's coming back to that. What are we thinking about? We have control over our thought life. You know, the Bible says that as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, or as a woman thinks, so is he, so is she. So what you think about yourself is eventually what you become. And so our internal dialogue is so key. It's so important. You know, you've got to tell yourself, you are enough. I am enough. God is enough. God will meet all my needs according to his riches. According to his riches. I mean, how rich is he? God is enough. God is capable. I am capable in God. You've got to start, come back to that internal dialogue. What are you telling yourself? Because that's what you're going to walk out in your life. Your thoughts determine your feelings and your feelings then, out of that, you take certain actions, decisions, etc. If the team can come up, that'll be great. Psalm 27 says this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart and wait for the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can hold on to that truth. You can hold on to that promise. If you... If, if you if you're dealing with something at the moment that you don't know how you're going to see what, how it's going to happen, what's going to happen, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will come through. You know, I was speaking to our volunteers and leaders on Tuesday night and we are talking about this, this impact that um, on people from the pandemic globally. And, you know, some early stats that are coming out of America are 30 to 50% of church members have not returned to church since 2020. I find that concerning, not only as a pastor, but as a believer as well. You know, I know that the, the church isn't perfect. You know, we have our flaws, and of course we do, because the church is made up of human beings, right? <laughs> The leaders are human beings, the pastors are human beings, the people in the church are human beings and we know human beings are not perfect. So the church does have its flaws, but the Bible also says that the church is the light of the world. The Bible says that we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so it's so integral and so key that yes, people have become disillusioned, they've become disengaged, they've become discouraged. Okay, we've got that. 
You know, some have given up on the church altogether. Some have given up on God altogether. Again, I congratulate you for being in the building today. Good on you. Give yourselves a hand. But church, the world needs us. But we cannot give ourselves up. We, we need to first rebuild ourselves. We need, first need to be strengthened again. We first need to uh, deal with this area up here, our thought life. Because we need to rebuild, but for, it starts with us. That has to start with us. We have a responsibility to lead the way, but it has to start with us. It's so important. It's so integral. You know, I don't believe you can say that you love God and disregard the church. You cannot separate the two. You know, the church, Jesus is the head and the church is the bride. It relates it to marriage, the groom and the bride. The church is the bride. And you cannot separate the head from the body. Can you? Imagine a head separated from the body. It's an interesting picture. It just doesn't happen, does it? So you cannot separate, you cannot separate yourself from the church. But also you can't separate body parts because we're all body parts, right? Picture that. Imagine all different body parts all over the place. It doesn't work. You have to come to we have to come together. We have we need each other. That's how we're gonna, that's how we're gonna we come together. We work on ourselves. You know, this prayer I've been praying recently uh, is this. In Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. I'm like, God, just show me. Where have I backslidden? Where where has my thought life gone wrong? Where am I worshipping little G gods when I should be looking to the Lord God Almighty? Lord, search my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you. God, I'm sorry. Because I know you're the answer. There is no other way. Pastor Jacob said on Tuesday night, where are we going to go? There's nowhere else. There's nobody else but the Lord God Almighty. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. So, okay, God, I'm here again. Do what you have to do in me. Have your way in me, Lord God. Point out anything within me. That offends you. I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. Search my heart again. Jesus said, join your life with mine. Join your life with mine. 1 Thessalonians 2.17 says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, We endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. We need each other. We need each other. And if we're going to continue to be a light to our community, a light that shines bright, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, a light to the world, we need to be praying those prayers. Lord, search me. Lord, do what you need to do in me because it has to start with us. And as we allow God to to build us again, to heal those areas, areas that we've maybe backslidden in and we're turned to little G gods and we turn our attention back to the big G God, coming together, gathering with the saints, we can move forward and be who God's called us to be.
Amen. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, Father God. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that you are enough. And I thank you that every single person is enough in you, Father. I just pray, Lord, that we as a church, as people, that you'll teach us to capture those thoughts, Lord God. Where there's deception, I break it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, where we need to be capturing thoughts and lining them up with your word, Lord. We pray for grace and we pray for mercy, Father God. I pray that we would be a church, that we would be a people that become intentional about our thoughts, Lord God, what we are thinking about, Lord. I pray you'd search our hearts, that you'd move on our lives, Lord, that you would point out anything within us, Father, that offends you. We're here before you, Lord God. Speak to us, Lord. We're positioned to hear your voice. We position ourselves in your house, Lord, with your people. And we're listening. We thank you that you are enough. Praise you, Jesus. Just with our heads bowed and if there's anybody in the building or listening online, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus and you'd like to take this step, this is the first step, the best decision you'll ever make, beginning your journey with God. We're just going to pray a prayer all together as a church. And if that is you, if you're praying this for the very first time, pray it with all your heart. Church, if you follow after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask that you cleanse me, wash me clean. I ask you forgive my sins. And today I choose to live for you. Just with our heads bowed. If there's anyone in the building that prayed that prayer for the very first time, if you lift your hand up in the air or if you're online, if you pop it in the comments and would love to get some resources to you. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. It's an exciting day for you. Don't forget this date. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Church, we're just going to worship this morning. And why don't you let God speak to your heart this morning. Offer yourselves up again. Say, Lord, I'm here. Where have I gotten tired in my thought life? Where have I let my guard down? Where have I turned to little G gods? God, I'm all yours again. I thank you that you've called me. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you continue to pour out your grace and mercy upon my life. I thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you, Jesus.